Hello and welcome to the Dicebreaker podcast. This is episode 10. I am head of video Johnny Chiadini. I am joined by video producer Alex Lowlies and staff writer Alex Meehan. Before we get into the podcast proper, uh, we have a statement to read about recent events in the US and indeed worldwide. The Dicebreaker team stands in solidarity with black communities around the world in disgust and opposition to the racist killing, violence, discrimination, police brutality, oppression and hatred displayed not just in the recent days and weeks with the murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery, but in the past months, years and decades with the murders of Trayvon Martin, Eric Garner, Michael Brown and countless others both widely known and unknown. Black lives matter and they have been destroyed, stolen and otherwise ruined by a system and society broken beyond memory. Systemic racism, police brutality and white supremacy are not recent issues, nor are they issues limited to the US or always conducted on a larger scale. Racism and white privilege are present in conventions, at gaming tables, in the pages of a rule book, in the wording of a sentence, in a glance across a game store. It is impossible and inappropriate to ignore or pretend otherwise. This is as true for our industry as any other. The tabletop industry is sadly not a diverse one. The overwhelming majority of designers, artists, publishers and other members of the industry are white and male. Box and card artwork features predominantly white characters. Even worse, black characters, cultures and communities are too often portrayed in the roles of offensive stereotypes, cultural appropriation or only notable by their total absence. Game themes and narratives consistently fail to engage with black stories and, at worst, perpetuate racist ideologies. But the industry is not solely to blame for individual failings. The Dicebreaker team is no exception to this. We can and we must do more to amplify, support and provide a platform to black creators and voices. There is always more that can be done. We can always do more and we can always do better. We will be working toward amplifying, highlighting and giving a platform to more black voices in the community and taking action not just over the coming days, but the months and years to come in order to help enact real, lasting change within our own walls. In the industry we represent and in the wider wider world as well. Excuse me. We expect to be held to account to this and we will ensure that these promises are proven to be more than just words. In the short term, we ask you if you are able to join us in donating to those charities, organisations, initiatives and local bail funds, including Black Lives Matter, Black Visions Collective, the George Floyd Memorial Fund, the Minnesota Freedom Fund, the Stephen Lawrence Foundation and many others, committed to anti-racism and helping to dismantle the poisonous elements of white supremacy, police brutality and racism in our shared society. If you cannot donate directly, please give your voice, solidarity and support to those who need it, not just now, but always. Seek out voices to amplify and help those silenced to speak. Educate yourself, take action and do better. We will be striving to do exactly that. Now, there's no easy way to pivot uh, from a statement like that into a podcast about uh, board games and the tabletop industry in general, indeed, even talking about this kind of stuff feels uh, quite frivolous at the moment, but all the same, it is uh, what we are here to do. So uh, I think we should jump straight into uh, what we have been 
playing at the moment? Um, Lolies? I understand you've been playing quite a lot recently. Yeah. Uh, unlike usually when I'm on this podcast, I've been playing a whole bunch of games. Um, so UK Games Expo was supposed to be happening uh, the last last weekend. And because it wasn't and I just moved house, which meant uh, there was actually three of us to play games, I decided to host games every evening. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So got a few games in. Um, so some of my personal favorites, like Marrakesh, which is a um, uh, <laughs> I forgot words. Um, it's a game with rugs. It's nice. Uh, it's, a, it's it's a game I often recommend to like people kind of starting out in the hobby or mm. like you know families and stuff. It's quite nice. Um, Quacks, Quacks of Quedlinburg, which I often talk about. Uh, Yahtzee, a classic. I even played Tick to Ride. What? what? You, Alex Lowley's, sat down and played Ticket to Ride. Yeah. I refuse I'm always, to believe it. I'm always dumping on Ticket to Ride. And I I don't love it still, but I have the London edition, so it's a shorter, like, half an hour game. Okay. And it's it's a little bit better because it doesn't take as long. Um, also, I decided to get it out because um, I know other people enjoy it, and I, I just... I'm quite happy just playing a game, you know. Um, and if I know other people are going to like it, then it gives me even more joy. Such, so... a, such a martyr, Loli. <laughs> I know. Uh, no, but it was quite good, actually. I, I quite enjoyed that game. Um, so you never know. I might come around yet. But um, yeah. Mm. Um, and then I played um, two games, uh, Jam Sumo and... You might even see them behind me. They're in, in brown boxes. Probably Jam not. Sumo quite and a game right called now. Paris. <laughs> yeah, it's quite blurry. Um but they're by a, a British designer called Gavin Birnbaum who makes these wooden games by hand. Mm-hmm. And so they're kind of like limited edition. Um, they're they're usually involving dice and like a, a very square board and like he numbers them and inscribes them and everything. And wow. they're just lovely. So you can usually pick those up at, like, at things like UK Games Expo and Essen and, and places like that. But yeah, it was quite nice. I think um, most of the games we played I was introducing to the other people mm-hmm. uh, and then we played a couple that the guys had played before as well but it was very very nice nice I think yeah. I saw Jam Sumo on your Twitter feed it, it looks like a crocodile bob you're smashing dice into one another is that it? yeah yeah, yeah. that's pretty much it I was actually saying when we were playing it I was like I should really bring this to work when we get back to the office because it feels like such a wheels game um, it's just <laughs> like it, it, it actually says on the box um, flicking frenzy fun no Frenzy flicking fun, something like that. <laughs> well, that sounds that genuinely does sound delightful. Like I was like, in the back of my head, then I was like, find something cutting to say about this, and then I thought, no, like when we get back to the office, I will play, I will play anything. I will absolutely <laughs> so there's play like because it's called it's called jam sumo, right? And the way it works is there's two rounds. There's a jam round, mm-hmm. which is when you uh, one by one take your die and there's a hole in the middle and you're trying to flick your die through the hole Mm -hmm. and you're trying to get rid of your dice first Um, and the second round is a sumo round in which you line up all your dice on the edge and you then trying to flick other people off the board and stay on the board yourself and you get like negative points in one round and positive points in the other round you add the scores together Uh, it's it's very good Mm. highly recommend Um, well let's move on to Alex Meehan and uh, (laughs) 
We all know it's coming. <laughs> as sure as the sun will rise in the east and set in the west, here yep. comes the Scythe update. Yep, while the earth still exists. <laughs> when when the apocalypse happens and we're all sat on, like, baked bean cans. It's going to be, yeah, Scythe, the cockroaches, <laughs> and that's about it, and the Twinkies that have survived the, the, the radiation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I like to think that it provides uh, a sense of, yes, every week the Scythe update will come. Yeah. Uh, And uh, people seem to like it. So, you know, uh, well, if they enjoy it, then then that's all all I can expect. Good. Um, So, uh, last week I played as Polania. Um, That is the faction with the big bear. Yeah, you're damn right it is. And you can essentially, when you do encounter spaces, you can do multiple results, mm-hmm. um, which means that you get more good stuff for it. Uh, so I actually kicked off to a good start, despite being stuck on an island with no source of metal. <laughs> uh, not ideal, really. It's. I, uh, I so think I, it's one of the hardest starting areas, to be honest with you, because yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. have any metal, and you've just got to sort of bimble around until you are ready to river walk. Um, it's it's an uphill climb for poor poor Polania. Yeah, it's not ideal, uh, but you know we we soldier on. So um, I basically just traded a lot. Eventually got enough metal because it didn't help that my board was incredibly expensive to to make mechs as well. Oh, no. And I didn't have any access to oil either, so I couldn't like lower the cost. So it was just a case of I just had to trade, trade, trade multiple times until eventually I got some metal. Um, and I came quite close to winning uh, until right at the end, the last turn, literally my friend stole my victory <laughs> by occupying more space than I did. A true friend. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Always the bride's mech, never the bride. Yeah, they're, they're a lovely person, but when it comes to scythe, they don't hold back. It's, it's. Uh... No, indeed. I remember the first time I taught one of my very best friends how to play scythe. Uh, it was one of those ones where it's like, we'll go easy on them because they've never played before. And then he went, oh, I see how this works, and then started playing brutally. I was playing as <laughs> I was playing as Polania actually, and he parked his uh, hero figure just on the other side of the river and I was like but 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 now I can't get there without fighting you and uh, it screwed my whole game it just hobbled me for the entire game uh, I was it was an absolute disaster so yeah sorry that it it tests friendships sometimes I think it's fair to say <laughs> yeah it does no I've I've ended quite a few games just going I hate you <laughs> I thought you were gonna say I ended quite a few friendships <laughs> I mean, never say never. I mean, no. I've, I'm going to play a game of Scythe with you, me, and soon. I, I hope so. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see whether we survive off the back of it. <laughs> I, um, in the moment, I'm not like I wouldn't say I'm a bad loser. I'm just, I'm just upset for a little bit. You're an impassioned then, player. Yeah, yeah, and then like, I'll normally as as it happens, I'll say, oh, I can't stand. I can't stand you. But then, like, like a f- few seconds after, as soon as we finish the game, I'll just go, that was fun, wasn't it? We'll do it again next week. 
god. Oh no. Um, well, what else have you been playing? Um, I'm okay. So confession time. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. I don't really know how to play Magic: mm-hmm. The Gathering. Um, I know it's very important. I know it's it's well loved. Um, but I've just never really got around to it. Mm. Uh, and I've been working at trying to um, rectify that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been starting Magic the Gathering Arena, which is a digital version of the card game. Mm. Uh, and unily, <laughs> <laughs> like downloading it is a challenge, let alone playing the damn game. Oh, no. Like, like I had to restart my computer and then delete and re-download it and eventually it started installing uh and then as soon as you start it you just get hit by five different tutorials i've been told that the tutorials are just a really good way of picking up the basics but that does sound like quite a lot if there are five of them Uh, back to back i don't mind so the tutorials existing I'm fine with this. Okay. I'm glad they exist because I otherwise I'd have no idea how to play the game. But the issue is they're mandatory, uh... and uh, I was playing with someone else, and they were going to basically walk me through how to play, uh, and I didn't get that opportunity because I had to spend about an hour playing tutorial. Right? Yeah, that's. It, I I'm surprised but... that they would be skippable, given they're also trying to convert seasoned magic players to get on board with the experience right yeah exactly this would be weird as far as i could tell they were impossible to skip i tried dear listeners i tried well i'm going to be going through this same experience because i i am very bad at grasping even the basics of magic if you've ever seen Mm. the magic the gathering videos we have on the on the channel uh, i'm i'm real bad at it and I've decided, I, I told myself when we, we initially went into quarantine, I was like, I'm going to use this time to learn to play magic. And so far I haven't. You know, they say everyone's going to come out of lockdown with a weird new skill. Currently mine is grabbing fruit flies out of the air. I've got really good at that recently, but that's not a tabletop <laughs> game. I can't, I can't make that professionally applicable. So There are a lot of fruit flies around. There really are. There really is. Yeah. They're not actually that fast, though. You can get them. Oh, yeah. Like... I, an, an ordinary fly, I would not be able to do that. But the the little fruit fly. Are you undermining just... Johnny's new skill? I didn't say it was an impressive <laughs> skill. It's just like a recently acquired one, you know. Yeah. Um. Just a quick note. Uh. On this recording I'm doing on the bar. Yeah. Um. It's like so. I'm recording on the on a, the second row down from the one I. Used. Yeah, that's fine. And I'm just keeping an eye on it because I'm worried that it's gonna mm-hmm. it's gonna stop when it hits nine minutes. So I keep I'll keep you updated. I'm basically just keeping the yeah, perfect. That's all you need to do. Open. Um, but no, I'm paranoid now. That's fine. Um, yeah, so magic. Um, yeah, so back to magic. <laughs> Enough fruit fly catching. <laughs> that's not a game. We can make a board game out of that. I reckon. Maybe. Yeah. Are, yeah. are flies in Kakalak and Poker? I don't know. I yes, don't they know. are. I've got it here. I can oh. check. <laughs> I know it's in French, though. Is that going to be different? No, it's just, <laughs> it's just pictures. The French do not acknowledge flies. 
Um, yeah, so, no, no, the tutorials are great, because, honestly, Magic is really interesting, because it's, it's a card game that's been around for what feels like eons, uh, and in some ways it feels that way in terms of playing it. A lot of it is quite esoteric, where you're like, this is a very interesting way of gaining mana. Mm. So, you gain mana by playing different planes. Mm-hmm. So, like, locations. Uh, and the different locations match your different colours. Which, you know, I can grasp that. But then you can combine different colours in different decks. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can have either a deck of one colour or multiple... I think it's just up to two different colours. Mm. Um, and cards will basically require you to have mana of a certain colour and then any other kind of mana. Yeah. Um, but, like... Just figuring that out, like, I've never encountered a system like that before. <laughs> mm. it's, a, it's, a very, it's a very distinctive, like, structure of card synergy, isn't it? Magic. Like, mm. I mean, you can... The thing is, I, I hadn't played Magic for years and years and years, um, but I played other CCGs, and when I played Magic, I was like, oh, I know how to play this, by inference. Like, games have really borrowed a lot, but I think in terms of putting out lands... And using those to fuel your spell casting, um, it still feels very distinctive to magic. Like, yeah, if somebody started describing a game to me and they were like, "Oh, but there were these cards you put down, and then they helped you," blah blah, be like, "Right, I know exactly what that is now." It's funny. Yeah, um, you know, I wouldn't. I would certainly not call myself an expert when it comes to, you know, CCGs mm. and trading card games, etc. You know, I've played a few in my time. My time. <laughs> um, you know, like like Keyforge, Pokemon, um, a little bit of Yu-Gi-Oh, you know. Uh, but, like, Magic was just... Yeah, there's just a lot to take in, mm. frankly. Like, I just got going with it. And, like, some of the cards, the description, seem, like, unnecessarily complicated. Mm. Like... To me, I've always appreciated a, you know, card game's ability to communicate what this card's going to do in the space of, like, just a few seconds. Yeah. Like, you just look at it and go, okay, I recognise those keywords, or, like, I recognise, you know, the the language that's being used. Not literally, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like... But with magic, you've just got these whole swaths of paragraphs. Yeah, I think that's... Just... Sorry, carry on. It's just very overwhelming. Like, you know, it just... Obviously, there's some mechanics that I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, having just picked it up. But at the same time, it's kind of like, is this necessary? Like, I think it's just... It's the hallmark of any card game that's been around for a while because they have to keep introducing new stuff and the mechanics are often more involved um so there's sort of, they simply have to use more text to explain them um in my version of sort of your weekly scythe update here's my weekly crowbar in mention of doomtown reloaded uh some of the cards in that now are hilarious like it's like almost 150 words on a card or something and you're just like okay if the dude boots but has fewer bullets and more influence than the number of sidekicks in the opposing posse, and blah blah blah. It's like it it just you know these things they, it's like power creep. It's just the complexity trickles up in these games, and so yeah. Yeah. If you're coming into something like MTG 
at this stage, you're going to read things and be like, hmm? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Pardon? Uh, you know, um, obviously, I, you know, I'm going to attempt to play more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, I don't think Arena helps. Like, um, I wish there were more tools to help you build decks. Yeah. Like, there are decks that you do kind of start with, although they, they, they appear to be locked off. Mm. Um, uh, and I'm just like, I just want to make, you know, a deck out of the cards I've got here. You know, I know, again, there are resources for that online. Wink, wink, dicebreaker.com. <coughs> but I kind of think, you know, I kind of wish that Arena had a bit more. Um, maybe if I played the base game... Um, I would feel a bit more at home there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I'll give it another go. Yeah, i tell you what. Um, when we go back to the office, you teach me how to play Magic the Gathering and I will present you with the body of every fruit, fruit fly I kill from now until then. <laughs> I'll have, like... Are you going to keep them in a little pot? Yeah, it's, no, it's going to be one of those big tubs on wheels that you sort of roll in and out wow. of your wardrobe. Yeah, mate, I told you, That's I'm getting really good at it. a lot of fruit flies! Yeah, well, you know, it is the season. Um, right. Is there anything else you've been playing this week? I would say that's about it. Yeah. All right. Well, I almost certainly have won the prize of fewest tabletop games played in the past week because uh, I've not been playing many. Um, I, to be honest with you, I, I secretly bought it online during last week's podcast recording because Matt spoke so glowingly about Rail- Railroad Inc. I was like. I've got to get me one of these roll and rights and really get get in on them. I'm I'm going to give this a go. So I bought Railroad Inc. Um, I had a choice of colours and uh, it offered me um, Spanish blue, which sounded very exotic. And then I got it and realised I'd ordered it in Spanish and in blue. <laughs> so now I have a Spanish language version of Railroad Inc. I know I can just print off the rules in English, but I haven't done that yet because the printer's out of ink. Um, yeah. What ink kind is very expensive printing. It is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't um, start that again. That's a throwback. <laughs> oh, no. What kind of colour did you think Spanish blue would be, Johnny? Like, uh, just a, a nice sort of, like, hazy... I sort of... Almost like a pastel-y colour. I was, I was thinking, you know, even though I know I that the see. tiles in Azul are, like, meant to be Portuguese, I was just like, you know, like... A pastely, like nice textured blue, you know, not just like yeah, oh, your royal blue, like you know. I just thought Spanish. blue, but more Spanish. And instead, I got a game that is definitely blue and is definitely Spanish. Yeah, it's just not Spanish blue. No, thankfully, well, Railroad Inc is not a very language-heavy game. It's no. mostly you just need it for the rules. Thankfully, yeah. Well, Otherwise, I've, that would be quite yeah. frustrating. I've I've mostly translated the blurb on the back of the box with what remains of my AS level Spanish. So, you know. Um, uh, well, my my flatmate knows a bit of Spanish. Ah. So maybe if you send it along, yeah. then, then they'll be able to translate it for you and send you back. All right, yeah. <laughs> a translated copy. T- in exchange <laughs> for a jiffy bag full of dead fruit flies. Why not? Is that how you're going to pay for things now? Replies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've... I imagine you going up to a shop and be like, "Do you go? Do you accept fruit flies?" It worked for Christopher Robin buying the bunny in Winnie the Pooh. It's like, oh, I want this bunny for not very much money, and I promise I'll love it. 
like jog on Christopher Robin anyway um, uh, what else have I been playing I've been playing pen and paper role playing games as ever um, played some D&D played some Shadowrun uh, which was nice um, even though our campaigns concluded we sort of did an epilogue one where we had a weird wacky racers style uh, adventure around Seattle trying to win a race um, what character out of wacky racers do you think you'd be John? oh I mean it's either Dick Dastardly or Muttley, isn't it? I feel like Wheels is more Muttley than me. <laughs> yeah. So I'm probably Dick Dastardly. Let's face it. Yeah, Wheels is your Muttley. Yeah, and we just uh, we'll catch that pigeon, spooky... mate. Oh, what? We'll catch that pigeon one day. Yeah, I think I'm the spooky one. You know, there was like that spooky house car, yeah. and then there was I think there was like someone living in the house or something. Mm. I would That's definitely right. be that one. Lowly's is like a foul-mouthed version of Penelope Pitstop, I think. Um, but Penelope, uh, you can actually very easily change that name to make it foul mouth. I'm not going to say it, obviously, because we don't swear on this channel, but you know what oh, I'm no, talking about. Cool. Yeah, we, we never do that. Penelope? But no, Penelope and then the second the second uh, surname. Oh, okay. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to move this along. Uh, Johnny, what happened in your shadow run camp? Um, well, uh... I mean, we, we, we had some good times. We won the race. We won quite a bit of money and got uh, two of the characters out of debt with a nasty loan shark called Mr. Ocus. Uh, but oh. also, we, we had this extra sort of element of excitement uh, knowing that the GM might have to dash at any moment if his wife went into labour because they um, <laughs> they basically would, you know, on, on the, the verge of having a babby. Said babby has arrived. So Aww. congratulations to... To Sarah and to Luke, um, Sarah, sorry, not Sarah, uh, and yeah, they've got a, a, a lovely daughter. I have suggested uh, that her shadow run name be Echo Junior, uh, after my character, who's objectively the best one. Um, but I thought you were going to say I recommend her name be Fruit Fly. <laughs> nah, not for a not for a babby. That sends the wrong message about like how friendly my intentions are toward this child. <laughs> anyway, how about some news? Um, oh. First up, I believe all of these stories were authored by one Alex Meehan this week. Wow, well, I don't like to toot my own horn, but when it comes to news, I'm there. Well, let's start. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the chopper. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in the sunshine chopper. Uh, right, the headline of this particular story is Masters of the Universe board game will let you wield the power of Greyskull. Mian, what's yeah. what's this about? What's the power of Greyskull? Johnny, you're well, supposed Johnny. to go read it. What? Oh, for those of the those of our audience members who might be jogging or operating yeah, heavy fine. machinery and can't take their eyes away to read a story right now, <laughs> would you mind summarising it for us, please, Alex Mian? Yeah, I will provide it in audio form. Mm. Uh, you know, of course, we always. You know, invite you to go on the site and read our news. Uh, but yes, um, as for Greyskull, I think it's more like a spiritual thing, you know, mm. from what I understand. Not being an expert of He Man, although I do know various He Man villains for, for reasons. Um, uh, I don't know whether they're going to be in the game. I don't know whether you're going to see Man at Arms or, or Beast Man. 
<laughs> I would like them to be though, because mm. um, you know they're a good laugh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Masters of the Universe board game. Um, it's being published by Come On or Come On. Come on. As yeah, uh, as you might say, uh, and it seems to be. Uh, Again, the press release was interesting. Uh, it, I think it's based on the toy line more than the show. Okay. Because the, apparently the toy line was first. Yes. Um, Much like Transformers. Which is news to me. The 80s was full of toy lines that were created and then they went to. Oh, yeah. To like, producers like and they were Street like, Sharks. Well, exactly, yeah. Did, did you know what Street Sharks? Of course Sharks? I did. <laughs> yeah. Um, Yes, uh, I don't think the streets. I don't think this is a street sharks crossover though. No. Um, unfortunately, uh, but no, it's. I don't actually know a huge amount about like how it plays, what you do in it, what characters are in mm-hmm. it. Uh, I guess we'll find that stuff out uh, later on. Yeah. But um, it is based on the He-Man cartoon toy line universe. Um, <laughs> So presumably Skeletor is going to be there. Oh, I mean, people yeah, will I mean, be very upset if he isn't. I imagine it's a, it's a given. Um, and you, there will be miniatures. There will be miniatures there. That makes a lot uh, of sense for, for a property like this. If it's based on you know a cartoon people loved watching while they they manipulated the action figures, they'd be hmm. they'd be silly if they were just cardboard counters or standees, you know. And yeah. everything's miniatures um, these days. Come on. And something that amused me about the press release, uh, that there was like I can't remember exactly what it said, but there was like a bit where it's like, oh, you're passing on He-Man to the next generation, <laughs> like an or like a piece of oral history, <laughs> <laughs> or a genetic <laughs> condition. No, like like a like oh, He-Man is an ancient. You know, customer <laughs> finally passing it down to the next generation. Like Beowulf. Of this game. <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. The skull comes <laughs> up and tells the story of He Man. What? <laughs> and I was just sat there in visions in my head of like, you boob. You boob. You boob. But yeah, I guess we'll find out more about how it actually plays. Yeah. But, um, and obviously, it, I noticed with interest that Kumon has, uh, or Simon has. Uh, previous form in adapting cartoon classics, including Scooby Doo and Wacky Races. We've come yes. full circle. I know. All all <laughs> roads lead to Wacky Races. Um, yeah, they've done a few cartoon properties in the past. Yes. Uh, they're doing some in the future. They're doing the Scooby Scooby Doo. Um, seems like some of these old cartoons are getting a new lease of life. Yeah. Because uh, because nostalgia, I guess. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Moving on to this next story, I think it's... Can you really call it nostalgia if the thing that you're talking about never went away? Because it, Pokemon, the card game's first board game, Battle Academy, makes it easier to learn the card game. But that card game's been going for yonks, and it's still pretty popular. Yeah. Since uh, 1990-something... Three. That's my guess. Yes! Uh, I think it was, yeah, something like that. Um, since the 1990s, mm-hmm. which is yonks now, as oh. Matt Jarvis might say. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Poke Emon. Uh, there is a trading card 
version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has been going for quite a while, to the point where, like, the latest expansion just has the most amazing, ridiculous name, where it's like, VMAX Clash, mm-hmm. Rebel Clash thing. Uh, and I'm like, uh, that ma- it makes me feel old, <laughs> you know, looking at it and being like, okay. Um, but I think this uh, board game version, so when I call it a board game version, it has like three separate packs within it and like a board that is really easy for you to like set up mm. um, a two, you know, it's a two player game um, and it has like guides to how to play the different decks. So in Pokemon, decks are pretty much based around... There are more than just one type of Pokemon in the deck, but they're usually based around a kind of, you know, a main Pokemon you'll have. So the the three that are in there is the Pikachu one, a Mewtwo one, and a Charizard one. Uh, And um, yeah, there's like guides on how to play the different decks, and it seems like a good way to get into the card game because mm. I've played a bit of it and it's actually quite good um, it's quite straightforward comparatively yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah you don't get reams and... of text on a on a weeping bell for example <laughs> if your opponent I don't know if your opponent chuckle has more is... than three extra limbs but no more than five and the moon is waning not waxing <laughs> Um, no, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, th- this will be a good way to get, I guess, younger audiences into the game. Mm. Um, and it might be a good thing to pick up if you're a fan of the, of the series, regardless. Um, yes, Pokemon. Uh, also, the artwork for the latest expansion is awful. <laughs> I have to say this, because when I was researching it... And I saw the the expansion art. I was like, "Is this actually what it looks like?" And they're like horrible three D models of the Pokemon. Oh no! They look, they look mm. horrendous. They they're really awful, which is a shame because you know there's been some really good Pokemon. Yeah, art there's been some beautiful stuff. Yeah, there's a list on our on the website dicebreak.com of the best Pokemon cards, and some of the artwork there is really nice. Um, also, no Swoobat. So oh, minus marks mate, for that. come on. Come on, well, where's the Swoobat deck? Come on. <laughs> I play... Wait, don't tell me, Alex. Is it another Swoobat? It's another Swoobat. <laughs> I don't think legally... Well, obviously legally, but I don't think within the realms of the game rules you can actually have a deck. Because you actually need... I suppose you could just have Swoobats. But, um, uh, yes. And the last news piece... Mm. Uh, is about a game called Nemesis Lockdown, which sounds really interesting, actually. This is an expansion, isn't it? So it's a standalone. Oh, it's expansion. a sequel. Excuse me. Yeah. They they call it a, an expansion, but as we know in the world of tabletop, terms are used intermittently <laughs> and confusingly, and you basically just have to work out what it is. Through asking Matt Jarvis. <laughs> oh no! I'll notably absent. He knows everything. <laughs> um, yeah, he is a fountain of knowledge. Um, yeah, Nemesis Lockdown. 
So you can play it without owning Nemesis. Mm -hmm. So Nemesis came out last year, I think. Mm. Um, and it's a horror co-op game where it's basically alien. Like, let's just let's just say it. It's it's basically alien. The board game. Mm -hmm. Oh, it came out in uh, 2018. Oh well. It came out in 2018, not not last year. Ah, apologies, 2018. Um, time is meaningless. I mean, 2018 <laughs> feels like it was 400 years ago, so we'll let you off. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you're stuck on a spaceship, and there's there's some evil space, 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 space. Yeah, space, space. Sorry, that was my. I have no Keep idea going. what that was referencing. <laughs> that was not a reference. I just want to go to space. I love space. Lowe's is just a I big mean, fan you're... of space. You wouldn't want to go to space if these creatures were living there. Because uh, they're not nice and they will eat you. Um, I, presumably that's what they want to do. Uh, I'm not 100% sure you of the law presume. of Nemesis. Mm. But... You can't presume these things. You need to give them the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> the, mm. You go up to it and go, look, I know we've gone off on the wrong foot, but <laughs> let's just level out now. I mean, I'm looking at some of the... the... Um, miniatures that are on offer in Nemesis Lockdown, and uh, none of them look friendly. Unfortunately, like, I'm, no. I'm... <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking that when I was writing the article. Mm. Um, but presumably, it's been in the works for a while, and they're just like, "Well, we've got the rights for yeah, it." Yeah, so. and it's not out until next year when you know. Hopefully, this will all seem like a a terrible dream. A terrible, terrible, horrible, horrible nightmare. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Welcome back to the yeah, podcast. So <laughs> in lockdown, it's a semi-co-op game. <laughs> <laughs> in Nemesis lockdown. <laughs> yeah. Um. You're yeah. So unlike normal Nemesis. Um, there are opportunities for you to, let's say, not be a nice person to your fellow player uh, and save you. <laughs> this is my kind of game. Sorry, keep going. I'll just, I'll just cheer every now and again. Just ignore me. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm really interested. I'm really interested in it, actually. Um, so essentially, you can be a Wayland yutani kind of person. Where uh, you're like, okay, I want to get out of here. Sorry, my friend, you're now locked in this corridor with that with that bad creature. Mm. Uh, you know, peace out. Um, uh, yeah, so you're in like a lab in, on Mars somewhere, um, and um, you you want to get out because unfortunately it seems like the subjects have gone out mm -hmm. and they're not happy. Unsurprisingly. Um, and so there are like multiple levels to the the laboratory, uh, and um, there are like sectioned off parts that you can kind of put into like uh, darkness or you know cut off electricity to. Uh, I think there's a lot more like spatial elements to the game than the original, uh, and there are things called oh I'm trying to remember, they're like. Um, there are essentially ways that you can find out on like how to save yourself at the kind of detriment to others, mm. uh, uh, and everyone has a secret objective that they they're basically looking to fulfil. So rather than 
having everyone have a shared series of objectives to complete to win. Uh, everyone has their own objective they need to c- complete to win the game. Mm-hmm. But obviously, sometimes it's good to work with other people, but so- sometimes maybe you don't want to do that. Mm. <laughs> I'm quite interested in this one. I mean, like, so Awaken Realms games, like, I've played This War of Mine, and I think that's a brilliant adaptation of the, the video game. Um, we've got a copy of Tainted Grail in the office, which I meant to bring home with me when we... Um, we left to start working remotely, but it was too heavy <laughs> to bring back <laughs> along with all the other stuff. I was like, I've got to cut, I've got to drop something. Um, but I know people love Tainted Grail, but ordinarily games like this, I'm not that tempted by. But I think the idea of it striking the balance between everyone sort of trying to survive against horrible nasties, but also pursuing a secret objective is quite nice, really. I think it might add a bit more meat to the experience that I was kind of hoping for from board games like The Thing, um, Infection at Outpost, 31 and um, Battlestar Galactica like I mm. I just want a bit more sort of spooky running around storytelling rather than trying to manage like, oh the, the colonial fleet needs more water like, I don't know I'm, it's, I mean it's not a cheap game it's like the, the I think it's £95 to get a copy of it yeah. on Kickstarter yeah, but um, it certainly looks like it's got a lot of bang and indeed boo for your buck. Have Have any of you played um, Abandoned Planet? No, do tell. Okay, no. it's, it's it's also like a space game uh, where you're like collecting resources so you can leave the planet. Um, I think you can only leave it with one other person. So like throughout the game, you can be like, oh, like you know, let's team up and let's collect these resources and you need like certain resources to get out but you can change your partnerships at any time and you're doing this like publicly in front of everyone and the first time I ever played it there was I think four or five I think there was five of us playing and you know like partnerships had been made (laughs) and at the last minute one of the people playing who had like this very like we all thought very strong partnership uh, to leave the planet just turned around in the last minute and was like come on let's go and the funniest thing about the funniest thing about it was that he left with somebody else, even though the person he'd originally partnered up with had exactly the same resources as the person he ended up oh, leaving wow. with. Oh, wow. So it was like, we were all just absolutely dying. But it, um, yeah, I think if, it, if it's got any of that kind of like feel to it, mm. um, it sounds mm. like it'll be a very funny game. Oh, in, God, in, that in sounds that hilarious. <laughs> yeah, like miniatures games don't really interest me a whole lot. Mm. I think I've talked about that on the podcast in the past yeah. um, but this one seems to provide a bit more you know of a twist like the the yeah the elements of secret objectives the way that the lab works and the way you can interact with it I think yeah I'm interested it's more than you're not really supposed to fight the creatures to be honest mm. it seems like mm-hmm. I, I get the feeling that you're better off running away than you know, going hoorah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it's. I mean, again, to look at the miniatures, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not like going to charge in and try and take it on. Yeah, in a pugilistic I think there are littleuns. I think there are littleuns that come in, and they're like fairly low level, you know, creepies. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think the biggun maybe take on the littleun, but the biggun. Probably not just, a good idea. Just leave them be. Or put somebody else in their path. 
So you know, yeah, they can they can have a munch on that for a you bit. You don't have to outrun the lion. You just have to outrun the nearest person to you. Yes. So I well, believe well that's said. all the news. <laughs> that fame, yeah, yeah. famous aphorism. <laughs> Um, you know what? This is my first time in the driving seat on the podcast, and it's 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 it's, it's giddy up here. It's yeah, not as easy as Matt makes it seem. Sense. Yeah, <laughs> but still. So that's Nemesis Lockdown, and it's yes on Kickstarter right now, isn't it? Yes, it is on Kickstarter. Live until right June eighteenth, twenty twenty, which will is simultaneously tomorrow and in forty years time. Yep. Because time has no meaning, um, mm-hmm. but uh, keep the light. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's let's move on to upcoming releases slash kickstarters slash what what things we're looking forward to. Um, this is hang on. What's next? Did you write this one as well, man? I'll give you a clue. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with yes, you did then. I'm not gonna lie. I did do this one. I read I read this uh, this headline and got very excited because I saw the words Twilight and Imperial, and I thought there was something new coming for for Ti4, um, but it's not Twilight Imperium. It's Twilight Struggle, but it's not. It's Imperial Struggle. Sorry, Johnny. Um, no, it's not Twilight Imperium. As far as I know, there's no going to space in it. Um, you know, which would have given us a bit of a theme for the podcast. So uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's more Space substantial than worlds. wacky races, isn't it? <laughs> Matley, <laughs> more than what? <laughs> Carry on. Tell us about Imperial Struggle. <laughs> yeah, we've travelled everywhere. We've gone to He-Man, wacky races, and now space, mm-hmm. and now. Uh, England and France in the 1700s. Um, quite a different place. Mm. Um, yeah, so Imperial Struggle is a, a... I guess it's a sequel, but technically it's kind of a prequel, historically <laughs> speaking. Uh, to Twilight Struggle, mm-hmm. which is a game about the Cold War um, that... Uh, People seem to like it. I've not played it, um, but it's uh, yeah. It just one person plays the Soviet Union, another person plays the UN, mm-hmm. uh, and there's lots of intrigue and like you know skullduggery going on. And uh, there's it's like an alternate you like history sort of thing. So um, Imperial Struggle is basically that, but um, I believe it's like like. 1700s, most basically most of the 1700s, uh, when England and France were at perpetual war, pretty much constantly, because mm-hmm. uh, they were both posturing and being awful uh, and seeing how awful they could be. Uh, and uh, yeah, you you basically play as one of those nations. Um, and you know you can decide what happens in history and such. Um, I do believe I studied that period of history at some point. Uh, so, but a lot of it's gone down the toilet. It seems. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, I mean, yeah. that's certainly a game that's coming up. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's coming up. Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't know a huge amount about this the series beyond you know there's there's Twilight Struggle. Yeah. There's the the short version of Twilight Struggle, Red Sea, Horn of Africa, mm. like a very long-winded name <laughs> yeah it's um yeah it's interesting like I, i've never actually taken the the plunge on twilight struggle i think we've definitely got a copy in the office and a couple of my friends own it but it's one of those ones where it just seems so intensely adversarial and so intensely strategic like i, oh. I can see that um imperial struggle it's you know it's meant to be Low in terms, low complexity in terms of the gameplay, but just like so much strategy that you can just sit pouring over it for ages and ages and ages. It's the kind of game that I think would make me very nervous to play against somebody else and would probably give me a headache. But yeah, at the same time, yeah, yeah, I think it's perfect for people who yeah are into that level of strategy. And it describes itself as being more accessible, although how much it will be accessible, I don't know. Mm. Um, but, yeah, like, the the publisher, you know, they publish some interesting, in, you know, independent stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, good for them. <laughs> I've noticed from your story here, it says, once the fighting ends, players will be able to exchange treaties, taking back territories they might have lost during battles, and work on building their nations at home as well as abroad. That kind of stuff, immediately, I'm interested. Because I bloody love yeah. a game where you can just talk waff about treaties and just... Oh, yeah. Yeah, so essentially, there will conflict will happen. Mm. And eventually, you can end it by, you know, offering a treaty. But in that treaty, depending on like where you are in the current conflict, you can essentially take back, you know, whatever, whatever areas you've lost during the conflict mm. with, with the treaty. So you can basically undo all the work that the other person might have done during the conflict. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, all right. I mean, I really hope you can bring in real world stuff. Be like, all right, I will give you back Marseille. However, you have to fetch me a cup of tea. Not that I'm saying Marseille is insignificant enough to trade for a cup of tea, but, you know. Yeah, no, I get you. I just think real world bargaining is a nice gameplay mechanic. Yeah, I'm sure you could role play it a bit. Yeah. Um... Right, well, shall we move on to Kickstarters? Um, we've sort of only really got one lined up to talk about this week, but all me is very exciting, um, because Alice is Missing has not only launched on Kickstarter, but absolutely smashed its target. Um, Alice is Missing is uh, an RPG from Spencer Stark, who of course made Icarus, which is um, Wheels' favourite tabletop game of last year. He absolutely bloody loves that RPG, and I think... Um, Basically, he, he he was so excited about it that Spencer Stark invited him to play a preview game of Alice is Missing, which is an RPG that you play in complete silence. Um, you using mechanics and cards to, to make characters in a very similar way to Icarus, if you have played it, um, you become a person who is important in some way to the titular Alice, who is, wait for it, missing. And then... Um, <laughs> 
you all jump into a game together, either on a messaging client, basically. So that could be, you know, iMessage or WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger or or MSN Messenger, if there was any justice left in the world. Um, and you have a conversation in real time about where Alice is and you try and unravel the mystery. And there are sorts of things like as the 90 minute timer ticks down, there are cards with new bits of information that get revealed by certain players. And it's it it plays out to one of a number of sort of predetermined outcomes. But I think the basically the, the role playing bit um, and the real collaborative element is in how you decide like what how you decide to flesh out the details of of Alice's life and the relationships and sort of the twists and turns and everything it sounds absolutely fascinating and it's one of those games where you just think that's such a good idea why haven't we why haven't we already started doing that like it reminds me of a long time ago i was um i was uh, perpetually single and my housemate at the time came in and threw a magazine at me that had a piece about um silent dating which was like speed dating but you could only exchange notes and he said you should go to this it's twee like you you'll like this <laughs> um which was one of the most excruciating things ever anyone had ever said about me but now it's an rpg it sounds bloody great so yeah yeah i'd love to do it with written notes how nice would that be what the speed dating no the rpg oh <laughs> yeah no me too <laughs> if I were rich, I'd I'd get a I'd get loads of pigeons and I'd I'd play an RPG or a game of diplomacy or something by Pigeon Post. It'd be amazing. Um, yeah. I've got loads of pigeons around my house. Surely they would. I don't they think they know cooperate. where I live. <laughs> but cooperate. I could train them. I'll watch a couple of YouTube you videos. Is that what you're going to do in lockdown, Lolo? Yeah, that's going to be my skill. I mean, they fly into my house, so, you know, I'll definitely be able to just train one while it's in here anyway, hanging out. Oh, perfect. I mean, I'm looking around can... like it's going to be here, but it's not. <laughs> it's clearly not here. Knowing you, you'll probably train them to, like, yeah, deliver messages, but then, like, I don't know, poo on the person and they deliver it to or something. Yeah, it's not a good look, is it? Like a... <laughs> um... But any road, um, yeah, I think I just think this game is super, super interesting. It kind of um, it comes with a, a bunch of different cards, like locations, clues, suspects, uh, drive, sort of motivation cards, really. Searching cards and like little prompts. Um, there's a debrief card or a series of them sort of like talks about um, the game because you're encouraged afterwards to sort of decompress and break character and talk about everything and everything you felt and experienced. Um, so this is a game, it's, it's on Kickstarter. At the time of recording, uh, they have smashed the £7,945 goal, uh, raising over £30,000. Um, so you can either get it in a physical edition or a digital. Uh, and interestingly, one of the stretch goals they've smashed is that there's now going to be an app. So you'll be able to just um, just boot up the app. And I think it might even be a messaging client, I seem to see on Spencer's Twitter this morning. Um, oh. So it seems like basically it's it's going to be a super well supported game in terms of whether you want to play it in the same room with music on or uh, play it remotely as as Wheels did because obviously everyone's playing things remotely at the moment. Um, I just again this is one of those games where it's like that's so brilliant. Why why has no one thought of this before? It's yeah I think it's a bloody treat and I'm very excited to play it even though it sounds incredibly intense. Yeah, I love. You know, whenever new ways of storytelling are, are you know, it, this isn't like 
we it's not like we've not seen anything like this before mm. but the combination of elements is just really fascinating yeah and um yeah i think people should try role playing in the written word um i think you know people could uh, find like a a way of expressing themselves that they never thought was was their thing like their jam um so yeah this sounds really interesting yeah I think it's nice role-playing in text because you get a chance to think about what you're saying and how you're saying it. I'm sure you've, you know, we've all had those moments where you say something in character in, in a conversation and you're like, oh, why did I say that? Why did I put it that way? Yeah. Because I'm more, that was really standoffish or that was really sarcastic when I'm not, blah, 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 blah. I find like yep. role-playing in, in the written words, you can really craft and draft your character and it's really rewarding. Like, again, I've been banging on about diplomacy for for what feels like forever but the best part of it is just you know creating a character and deciding to play it properly um and i love that kind of stuff i'll be honest when i saw that alice is missing runs on a 90 minute timer part of me was a bit disappointed i was like i want to keep this bubbling away you know i want to keep dipping in and coming back to this and slipping back into that character but i think from what wheels is preview sort of you know uh, seems to intimate is that you know with that 90 minutes you are properly in there and it is very Im- like involving and immersive and you, you're even encouraged to change people's names on your phone so they show up as um, as their character names which I think is is just absolutely brilliant so I think it probably you know in sacrificing game time it, it really amps up the level of, of emotional investment which for something like this when someone's missing you know is is really really potent so mm. yeah no i'm interested to try it out i mean Same. we've already talked about sort of behind the scenes how we can play a game of this and and get it you know on the youtube channel or, or show people what it's like to play um we can probably do it by just capturing screens and playing on you know say say whatsapp but using the web client but i just i love the idea of it and it's it it really reminds me of some of my favorite like video games like Life is Strange and stuff like that, for example. So it's yeah. we should say it's this is kind of like a teen thing. Alice is a is a teenager and yeah, uh, you can pick which version of her is missing, if that makes sense. Um like, you know, Wheels played it and she was like a, a straight A student and, you know, had big things planned or she can be like a rebellious punk and all this kind of stuff. It just seems mm. blooming fascinating. Yeah. So that is Sorry, carry on. Agreed. Uh, it's got 25 days left on Kickstarter. I'm not sure when it says it's going to ship. November 2020, so it's actually out relatively soon. Yeah, later this yeah, year. Yeah, kind of used to seeing... That's very soon. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, kind of used to seeing Kickstarters that are like, it will be a full year. So, mm. yeah, we can... Once the weather's all cold, we can maybe do it in a really Twin Peaks style. Just like, it's... It's, it's cold outside and someone's missing. Oh, uh, yeah. I'll start talking backwards, yeah? The perfect Christmas game. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll, I'll hug a log. Oh, my... I mean, if... Yeah, if you're not the log lady, who is? Come on. <laughs> and I mean that with the greatest respect. Greatest respect. No, no. I... No. I, I, I would... I would only take it in that fashion. Good. I don't. I don't know who I'd be, and at this point, I'm afraid to ask which Twin Peaks cast member I'd be. Uh, so, yeah, should we should we move on to some uh, 
some emails from our, our lovely listeners. Yes, emails, yeah. tweets, various other things. Um, oh, pigeons. Right. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'll tell you what. I'll take this first one, and then we can we can sort of rotate round. Uh, this is from Tom, who. Uh, oh, is it? Hang on. No, wait. Where's it gone? <laughs> this is from Daniel. Goodness. Oh, I'm so good at this. Whoa. Matt Jarvis, come back. This is from. <laughs> Daniel, who actually sent a much, much longer email with a lot of questions. Um, unfortunately, we had to cut it down for the sake of, of brevity. But um, thank you so much, Daniel, for writing in. Uh, Daniel mm. asks, what is your opinion on expansions? In my experience, too many expansions make games worse as they add a significant amount of complexity, but only little to no strategic depth. What are we saying? Ooh. Ooh. I think it depends game to game. Mm. Um, Camel Camel Up has an expansion which is quite good (laughs) I played it once many years ago and I don't remember much about it except that there's like some kind of photography thing involved in it but I remember enjoying it Mm. that's all I have to say about that (laughs) (laughs) absolutely stunning I'm imagining the front of the box I remember enjoying it yeah it's been a while that was the first one that came into my head I think you're right, though, on it being a game-by-game thing, because, you know, mm. um, craning my ne- neck to look at all the board games nearest me. Mm. Um, I think my favourite ones add a whole bunch of elements that you can choose to stick in or not. Like the Sheriff of Nottingham expansion, the Merry Men expansion, uh, which now is included as standard in the second edition of Sheriff of Nottingham, which you can buy if you like great games with horrible new art. Um Oh. It's, it's vile. I'm never giving up my my original <laughs> copy. Um, but that that adds a whole bunch of different rules that you can either include or not, and you can decide how sort of heavy you want to go in updating the game. Um, the same is true of Merchants and Marauders, which is another one of my favourites. That adds a whole bunch of mechanics, and you choose which ones to throw in. So I think the important thing is you can control the added complexity. Um, mm. And in sort of getting to grips with them, you can decide whether it adds enough strategic depth or not to be worthwhile. Like mm-hmm. Dominion, I mean, like Dominion is a game with approximately 400,000 expansions. But, you know, it being a card game, there that adds a lot of different strategic sort of depth. Yeah. And they're pretty easy to, to, to grasp, you know, because they have cards. They're meant to be just read and understood. Um, to, to I was about to say really, that Star Realms as well. Yeah. There's not really much point in releasing another edition of of Dominion, like Dominion Two, <laughs> Medieval <laughs> Times or something, um, because you might as well just keep adding expansions with new cards, mm. like because you're not going to be able to really significantly change the game enough yeah. to release a, a new, a completely. St- new edition or new sequel Mm. so Mm. I I think all in all I do like expansions because they will breathe new life into a game you know you love because to be honest if if you've played a game to death already it's because you like it a lot so if it can Mm -hmm. you know give you a a chunk of time back again even at the expense of you know having to learn a bunch of new stuff I think it's worth it like um, my friends and I play a lot of Root um and the Riverfolk expansion, is it the Riverfolk expansion? I think it is, with like adds in otters and a weird lizard cult. And we've played with them a few times, but it's taken us right back to that 
that time in route where you're playing and you know how your faction works, but you look at someone else across the table and you're like, I don't know, I don't know what they're doing or why. And it's sort of it's put the mystery back into it, especially now the the new ones turned up with the moles and the the yeah the, the under thingy. yeah, and that's a whole new board as well. And there are ravens, like a sort of a a conspiracy of crows. Um, mm. Yeah, generally speaking, expansions good. Not all expansions yeah. so good. Um, no. I'm still, I've had it for nearly two years now, but I've I've still got a shrink wrapped copy of Scythe: Rise of Fenris, which is the rinse and repeat legacy campaign and i want to play it i just i just do but my copy of scythe is in the office and i can't leave my house so yeah oh well and, um, well i'll train my pigeons up and i can train my pigeon to go get it from the office oh bring mate it to you. you're gonna need an albatross yeah, that pigeon better be buff yeah <laughs> I'll, 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 there's so many of them i'll get i'll get a team of pigeons together. my copy of scythe has the metal that, coins in it mate that's the plural of, of pigeons, right? A team of pigeons. That's right. Yeah. It's gonna be like it's gonna be like James and the Giant Peach. It's just James and their, their really heavy Euro game. They'll be fine. Honestly, the pigeons around here are really fat, so you'll be fine. Okay. They'll be fine. The fatness is. Uh, I'm assuming like... they work out. Is what I'm saying. Oh yeah, almost <laughs> certainly. Um, right. Yeah. Could we uh, could uh, tell you what, Lolis? Do you want to give us this question from Simon, who hails from Ealing? Yes, Ooh. just put my glasses on. <laughs> <laughs> Simon from Ealing says, "Hi guys. Every time I buy a new board game and start punching out the tiles and tokens, I always have to smooth the edges with my fingers, particularly where the bits that fluff up when they are removed." Do you have any idiosyncrasies when opening up a new board game that you focus on doing first or must always do? Best, Simon from Ealing. I mean, if you don't smell a board game the minute you open it for the first time, I don't know what's wrong with you. Like, genuinely, like, pull up the lid, like... pull up the lid, flip it, have a good honk on the, on the, on the lid of it. Yeah. I've got a new board game which I haven't opened. Should I open it live on the podcast? And give it a smell. Sure, why not? This will be a, an exciting yeah, you new can segment. Do that, um, okay. I think it harks back to me playing video games as a kid when they had ma- like video game manuals. You just you'd sniff the manual. Of course you would. So I always sniff a new board game. <gasps> it's the, oh, the crew doesn't smell that great. It's not that exciting. Does it not? Oh, no. no. Uh, do you want some ASMR though? <laughs> no. It's got to have that musky, <laughs> the musky cardboard smell. Lonely. Yeah. Um, um, well, while we're waiting to hear what what notes Lolis is getting from the crew Clash of Planet Nine, <laughs> how about you, Mian? Um, I do love popping out the little bits. Like, um, what game was I playing the other day where, where it was like really satisfying? You know, yeah, when you get like a big old sheet of of cardboard and you're like, you have to look really like whack in that, that finger yeah. and they fly out. Oh like, yeah, I love that. Patchwork is quite fun with that, actually. <gasps> I literally just got Patchwork and I opened it and I was doing all the popping. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Patchwork's a good one for the popping. I... you got to have a game where you have a good popping. I don't like the popping because I'm too worried about oh. it. Because, you know, sometimes the edge tears and it takes a little bit off the counter. You've got to pop it right. I know. I mean, I've, I'm working on it, but it still makes me a little bit nervous. I quite like it when other people do it. Yeah. What are we saying? Oh, what does the crew That's quest really... for Planet Nine smell like? <laughs> I remember it not smelling yeah. great. No, it doesn't smell fantastic, nothing like. 
Well, you're getting uh, a lot of those sniffy noises. The car smell a bit chemically, I think, in my, my coffee. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I think that's what I'm getting. Hint, hints of chemicals. Hints of... Uh... Mm. I mean, I did warn you. Yeah. You know, apparently space oh, smells like bacon. Also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Apparently when uh, astronauts come in from a spacewalk, their suits smell like metallic in a way that uh, smells like cooking bacon. And so. um, I got by crew in German, apparently. Oh, Good thing you can actually speak just... German. <laughs> yeah, weird. Anyway, what what's gonna happen next? I'm gonna order a copy of I don't know, Scythe, and it's gonna be in Russian or something. Yeah, uh, just yeah. entirely uh, Russian. Be like, oh no! <laughs> it's gonna be dropped off by a team of what's the national bird of Russia? I don't know. Um, pigeons. Pigeons. Yeah, pigeons. sure. Yeah. Uh, Lovies, do you <laughs> do you have any Russian pigeons. Do you have any idiosyncrasies about opening up a new board game? I do love love uh, popping things. Um, I mean, yeah, it kind of depends. Like pop, popping things. Um, I just love taking the plastic off. That's like there's a sense of enjoyment in that of knowing that no one has touched the 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 game. Mm. Well, I'm sure somebody's touched it, but. It feels like nobody's touched it before. <laughs> yeah. And then you could touch it. I also really love games that have, um, like, smooth faces or, like, have bumps or something. Like, if you can put your hand across the front of a board game and it's got, like, different textures. Oh, boy. I love that. Yeah, that's but fair. That's just something else. Just board game things. <laughs> yeah. Just board game things. Just horse things. Just <laughs> popping things. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. All right, uh, let's move on to this next one. Can you read the question from Tom, Ian? Uh, I can. So, Tom asks, um, the Kickstarter for Alice is Missing went live this mm-hmm. week. Yes, it did. Uh, are there any other games you come across that has done something which has made you ask, how has nobody thought of this before? Oh, there definitely is. Yeah. I'm trying to think now. That is a good question from mm. Tom. Indeed. I... I have, I'm pretty sure I've said it in a video before when we've yeah. maybe done a today we played or something, but I cannot think. Oh, that's yeah. so annoying. I'm racking my head uh, trying to think of, of something. Probably like, again, I know it's probably becoming a running joke that I talk about this game so much. <laughs> but uh, probably like, no. Oh, okay. Mm. <laughs> um. Probably betrayal. Like you gotta, you gotta realize that when I play betrayal, it's like one of the first games I ever really play. Like beyond just your classic family rubbish. <coughs> but like um, when I first, you know, that was when I was first introduced to a game with like a traitor mechanic, mm. and I was like, "Wow, this is a thing!" Like, you know, because I'd only recently, you know, understood co-op games, mm. like. Then to have that have that element of of but someone can be working against you. I was like, you know, this is incredible. Like this is game changing. But obviously now, like that's a you know it's a dime a dozen thing. Mm. But um, yeah, probably that. I think that's fair. I think for me, it probably not to bring Root up again, but Root. Um, when I played that, and then just sort of realised that every faction plays con- completely differently. And has different win conditions. Well, I mean, it's it's points, but the path to victory is different for every single faction. But they're all playing from the same deck. I just thought this is this is great. Like I'd come across, 
you know, asymmetrical games before, but Root really hammered it home for me. I was like, why don't we have more games where you've got factions that are just totally different in, in their form and their, you know, like the, the fact that you've got, you start one faction controlling all of the spaces on the board, but one. And one faction that doesn't have any like any figures on the board whatsoever, and then what another faction that only has one miniature at all times, and yet it's balanced. That's every time I play it, it still feels special to me. I'm like, this is just my goodness. And mm. oh, uh, talking of later games, uh, Fort. I think when we played Fort, we did say out loud, "Why has nobody thought to do this?" When we realised the two currencies were toys and pizza. Those are your two resources in the game. We were like, why has nobody thought of that before? Yeah, the two things that kids only ever care about. Yeah. Toys, Toys and pizza. pizza. Yeah. I, had... I, would also, I would also say, although I haven't played it, like when... Um, so when I was talking to Eric Lang, the designer of Ank, uh, which is not out yet, but the Kickstarter was early this mm-hmm. year. Um, like, when he explained to me the merging mechanic, I was like whoa like this sounds really cool mm-hmm. um like that idea of like when you get to a certain bit like two players and now just working as one yeah. and like it serves to balance the game and like i don't think before then i'd heard or played of a board game that did that because there are plenty of board games where you where you team up voluntarily but to like play a board game where like right that's it you two are just gonna have to be put in the same bunk and now you're you're fighting for the same cause and um, that sounded really interesting uh, so I'm looking forward to getting my hands on that game hmm. um, one that's just popped in my head definitely just popped in my head I wasn't looking through old YouTube videos at all is <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, a party game Stay Cool um, which have you guys played it before? I haven't you've pl- played it before have you played it before? I've watched people play it. Oh, okay. Uh, Wheels and I love it anyway. We've played it a couple of times in the office. And it's a game where you have to answer multiple questions at the same time. And one of them you have to answer just like by saying it out loud. And somebody else is asking you a question and you have to like write it with dice. Um, And so you're kind of like using multiple kind of I guess are you using multiple parts of your brain I don't really know but yeah that, that one was like quite interesting because like you get asked like two questions and you then have to answer both of them and like every time you answer one you get asked another question it just keeps going and you're like on a timer and there's three different like levels so it, it takes it up a level where at the, and at the beginning um the the time just runs out and then uh the second level you have to like uh tell them when to turn the timer before it runs out and then the third level um, you don't see the timer and you still have to do that where you tell them to turn the timer before it runs oh, out wow. but you don't, you can't see the timer so you're like kind of doing loads of things at the same time and it's so manic but so fun and I remember just being like this is genius yeah. that is a, <laughs> That's a good that one. is a good one I feel like there's definitely more but I just can't even think yeah. and when I can think I will bring it back up <laughs> I, I thought about saying Cosmic Frog because that's one of my most anticipated games at the minute, if not the most anticipated game mm-hmm. on my list. And then I was like, well, what does it do differently to other games? I'm like, eh, not much. It's just... Yeah. I guess I can't believe nobody's made a game about massive frogs eating planets before. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, you know, what? why hasn't that been covered yet? 
I don't know is the answer. I just <laughs> don't know. Uh, let's take one more question before we wrap up this podcast. This is by uh, Brian McNiff. Uh, asking, what's a game you've wanted to play for a while, but just haven't gotten round to? Whether it's because it's hard to find, can't get the right group together, or you just haven't found the time. I feel like there's loads. Um course i can't think of a single one right now but there's a, i think there's a there's a lot of like for me uh i guess more classic games um mm. that i would like to play and haven't played yet because mostly because uh when i kind of started playing board games a lot of the people i was playing with had been into the hobby for a good while before i got into it yeah and they were kind of done with those games mm-hmm. and since then like i mean i've got a few different people i play board games with but it kind of varies like from groups who mostly just play like very light games and are not really interested in kind of like more heavy games to um you know i don't know we, we don't meet up often enough i guess to be playing games that people have played like loads before mm-hmm. so um i mean i'd love to play scythe and i don't really have much of an excuse because i could definitely just hop on and join Alex Smead at some point and I should do that (laughs) come join us ladies Um, I basically have it on like like this favourite like quick quick launch I need to send you my um, my scythe playlist it's got some solid bangers in there it's a lot of the Russian Red Army choir not that like the fabulous faction music isn't amazing but after you played as you know, when you play it as often as I do, yeah, it starts to great. Kind of get a bit, sick yeah, of it. yeah. But um, no, uh, I've never played Risk. Play. Um, let's think. What comes to mind? I mean, uh, my friends have talked about playing Samurai before, mm. which uh, no, not Samurai, Shogun. I believe it's Shogun. Okay. Um, I think it's an area control game, but they've talked about playing it before. Uh, and uh, I think it's mostly just the fact that uh, they've had exciting adventures with it, and I've not. Right. Uh, and it's like the whole scythe thing, where it's like, you know, the it's also just about like the stories that you can tell about, you know, having played it and what happened. Like they've tell, you know, they've told stories about playing shogun and i'm like i'm not part of this and i want to be yeah yeah i know what you mean it's when yeah again kind of i think my route in with board games was like lowly's it was a lot of people talking about amazing adventures they'd had and uh you know games they were already done with so um i think yeah it feels like all three of us kind of coming from the same perspective Mm. where it's like you hear all these games being talked about and then it's actually hard to play them um for me and I've already talked about Rise of Fenris because I just want to play that. But um, probably, for me, it's more of a game I want to play again because I've played Robinson Crusoe once and I had a great time. But we were playing it a bit wrong and it was also about five years ago now. Um, and I just want to crack back into it and just really just go on a tear with it because I think it's a great game for just coming up with re- really strange little stories about things that happen. You know, like, I remember in our game, like, we got attacked by a gorilla. And we were like, oh, God, we killed the gorilla. And then we immediately had to go kill a tapir. Um, 
And I think <laughs> you're just murdering your way through the Yeah, top. canonically we decided that we'd just power bombed a gorilla through a tape here. So that was um that was exciting. But I just remember having a really <laughs> nice time. Tapirs, from what I understand, are fairly. I think we need. Docile. I think we needed to hunt the tapir. The tapir didn't attack uh. us, so yeah, that was our bad. Sorry, tapirs. But imagining the tapir just going at you. Yeah, absolutely livid tapirs, just all over the place. That's <laughs> probably that. Oh, I've never played Star Realms, and I ought to. <gasps> yeah. I've never, never played, played it. Either, so. Never played it. I've I've watched two friends play Star Realms, but I was playing Warcry at the time, <laughs> so I was pushing little plastic men around on the table, and they were just zapping each other with space cards. I I am I'm more shocked at my own lack of that I didn't realize this before, and yeah, I, I thought you knew. I didn't rectify this. It's so okay. It's not your your mission in your life to make it as many people play Star Realms no. well yeah it is just so I can play it all the time well, that, people play I do me. feel this sense of satisfaction bordering on pride that you have now started playing so much Scythe Mian, that's a kettle going off in the background if anyone's wondering what that <laughs> shrieking noise yeah, is it'll stop. it's a very visceral, not visceral it's stopped um, yeah. but yeah Scythe I'm, I'm, I'm almost proud like I had any, point, any part in it whatsoever well, no, because the if for anyone who didn't read the opinion piece I wrote on it, like the the whole, pretty much the whole cataclysm of me even playing digital scythe was that we were going to play scythe mm. using your physical copy, yeah. and then everything went down the toilet. Yeah. And then, like now, I was like, well, uh, there was a sale on. I'm going to buy scythe, and there you go, a beautiful relationship again. No, no, you're right. Uh, you're right. I should feel story, proud. You're say. welcome, man. You're welcome. Yeah, it's now I just need to play a proper game of Root. Like we <gasps> played Root, but we stopped like partway through and I was like I'm really Oh honest. mate, I can't wait. Um, let's yeah, let's, let's have a bang on some Root when we're when we yeah, can. Oh, we to... I know there's a digital edition coming out. Not just a TTS yeah, one. And it's got lovely animations. So I want to get on on that because yes. I yeah, I want to play a proper game of Root because I'm like, this is really great. And then we're like, oh no, we have live. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Well, thank you to uh, everyone who has written in with questions for the podcast. Again, we've got a list that is very, very long, but you can uh, you can find us on Twitter at Join Dicebreaker. Um, if you want to check us out on Instagram, we are are we still Join Dicebreaker on there, or are we Dicebreaker? I think we're just Dicebreaker. D- yeah. So I'm gonna double check. That's it. I'm pretty sure it's Instagram is just dice. Instagram is at dicebreaker. Yes. Facebook mm-hmm. and Twitter it's join dicebreaker. Uh, and of course there is a podcast at dicebreaker.com I believe is the email address to send us in your questions. Um and we will eventually get round to answering them all because we're 10 episodes of this podcast in now. Uh and we ain't <laughs> It just keeps growing. We just ain't stopping. So um we've hit we double figures it, so it's it legit just keeps now. Growing. Exactly. Um, so, oh, you know what we've not done is the what's coming up on the on the website and the YouTube channel thing. How silly! Mm. Um, we'll we'll start as is tradition with me going blank on what's coming up in video. Uh, our <laughs> Deadlands campaign is uh, ongoing. There are uh, the time this airs that we just uh, two episodes left. Um, the next one is one of my favourites because. 
turns out Charles P. McGinty's uh, nefarious deeds are catching up with him. Um, and then what's what else is coming up? Uh, we will we will or... have. Hmm. Sorry, that premieres at three o'clock. Yes. On three p.m. Yep. BST Saturday the sixth of June. 2020. Yeah, we will have um, we will have done then, a live stream of Rallyman GT, which is actually a game that we've had. Uh, well, Matt Wheels and I have had a go at, which I should have mentioned in my games that I've played this week, and it seems really fun, and I can't wait for us to play yeah, that. So we'll have like already Flamme done Rouge, that by the you time you listen dice. to this. Yeah, so go check that out. It's much easier to yeah. tell people what we've already done. To be honest with you, uh, we've continued our playthrough of Gloomhaven. Um, the the Steam version of that uh, because you know what that's a game I've wanted to get around to playing for a long long time and now we're playing it yeah. on Steam I'm having a great time but oh it's just making me want to pick up a copy and grab a bunch of friends and convince them to play Gloomhaven with me a lot um, so yeah there's there's that's sort of what we've got going on on the channel how about the website Alex man oh no. <laughs> Um, I'll be very straight with you. Um, I am not hugely privy to the schedule of what's coming out. So, um, undoubtedly, there'll be some wonderful pieces from our freelance community uh, going on the old site. There will always be news every day. uh, And I have a feature in the works... um, for next week, um, if you're if you're looking for recommendations for Dungeons and Dragons board games, oh hello, um, it might actually already be out. Mm. If not, next week. Um, yes, just you know, go to dicebreak.com. Like stuff will be there. Yeah. Look on, look on our social media. Indeed. Uh, mm. Mm. I really fancy a game of Lords of Waterdeep now. To be honest. That's a game I've not played in a long time. That's a game I haven't played in a long a time. A long yeah. time. A long time. Um, <laughs> right, well, in that case, I think we can um, bring episode 10 to a close. Um, thank you very much, uh, Alex's, Lolis, and Mian, for joining me as I pretended to be Matt Jarvis. <laughs> you got a fine job. Oh, I didn't, say the, I didn't say the words and whatnot. Once, so I don't think I did a brilliant yeah, impression. Or yonks. Yonks, yeah. I, you you also talk didn't talk about, about trains, trains, did you? You did I talk did. about railroad ink. Okay. I mean, I wasn't okay. not going to talk about trains. Um, you didn't do the song, though. <laughs> didn't do the song. Trains. Anyway, um, that's all from us. Thank you so much for listening. Everybody stay safe out there. Um, we will catch you on this very podcast next week. But until then, have yourself a lovely day. Goodbye. <laughs>